It does not seem at this moment like it's a holiday week, with so many items happening at public meetings in the days before Thanksgiving. But I'm Sean Tubbs, your host, and I'm grateful that you're listening to this installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement, and I'm hopeful that you'll share it with others. Most of the audience reads the newsletter, but the secret is that each one is produced for audio, as my professional career in journalism began in radio. More than a quarter century later, I'm glad to be bringing you information as often as I can, and this is what I have for November 22nd, 2021. On today's show... Albemarle's Planning Commission gets an update on the county's capital improvement program budget for the next fiscal year. A hedge fund sets its sights on the daily progress and its parent company. The Environmental Protection Agency seeks to re-establish jurisdiction in the waters of the United States, and the University of Virginia seeks a tuition increase for undergraduates. Let's begin today with a Patreon-fueled shout-out. WTJU is hosting Classical Listening Parties, a series of four free, casual events on Tuesdays in November. These four events are led by Chelsea Holt, a pianist, teacher, and one of WTJU's newest and youngest classical announcers. Chelsea will guide you through all of the eras of classical music, and tomorrow night at 7 p.m., the Romantic Period. For a list of the others, visit WTJU.net to learn more and sign up. As the week begins, the seven-day average for new COVID cases in Virginia is at 1,644 new cases a day, and the percent positivity is at 5.9%. The Blue Ridge Health District reports another 29 new cases today and a percent positivity of 5.5%. Three more fatalities have been reported in the district since Friday, for a total of 311 since the pandemic began. A fire in an apartment in the 1200 block of Carlton Avenue in the Belmont neighborhood on Sunday killed one, according to a release from the Charlottesville Fire Department. Crews began fighting the fire soon after arriving and then looked for anyone trapped. One adult was rescued but died soon after being taken to an unidentified hospital. Fire marshals are investigating the cause. This is the third fatality from a fire in Charlottesville this year. The Charlottesville Daily Progress and most other daily newspapers in Virginia might soon have a new owner. Alden Global Capital has announced in a letter to Lee Enterprises that it will pay $24 a share for the company, 30% over Friday's closing stock price. Here's a section from that letter. We believe that as a private company and part of our successful nationwide platforms, Lee would be in a stronger position to maximize its resources and realize strategic value that enhances its operations and supports its employees in their important work serving local communities. Alden Global Capital is a New York-based hedge fund that owns the Tribune Publishing Company and Media News Group. Among their newspapers are the Chicago Tribune, the Denver Post, the Mercury News, and the New York Daily News. The company already owns 6% of Lee Enterprises. Here's some more from that letter. Scale is critical for newspapers to ensure necessary staffing, and in order to thrive in this challenging environment where print advertising continues to decline and back office operations and legacy public company functions remain bloated, thus depriving newsrooms of resources that are best used serving readers with relevant, trustworthy, and engaging content. 
Lee Enterprises completed the purchase of the Daily Progress from BH Media in March of 2020. BH Media is a subsidiary of Berkshire Hathaway, which purchased the Progress from Media General in May 2012. Media General purchased the paper from Thomas Worrell Jr. in 1995 as part of a $230 million deal. The Daily Progress was first published on September 14, 1892. Other Virginia papers owned by Lee Enterprises include the Richmond Times-Dispatch, the Lynchburg News in Advance, and the Roanoke Times. There is a link in the newsletter to an article from Rick Edmonds on Pointner.org about the potential takeover. Or there's another one at Virginia Business. The real question is, who gets the fight song? An Albemarle committee appointed to study scenarios to alleviate overpopulation of elementary schools in the western part of the county has unveiled their recommendation. After meeting four times and holding two public comment sessions, the Crozet-Brownsville Redistricting Committee has suggested a total of 219 students be moved from Brownsville Elementary to Crozet Elementary at the beginning of the 2022-2023 school year. By then, Albemarle should have completed a $21.25 million addition to Crozet Elementary, which includes 16 new classrooms. Two federal agencies that regulate land use as it relates to water quality have announced plans to reinstate a more robust definition of what constitutes the waters of the United States. Both the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency and the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers use that phrase to base enforcement of the Clean Water Act of 1972, which, among other things, regulates industrial discharges into navigable waters. A rule change made in the previous presidential administration reduced the geographic scope of the definition, potentially limiting the jurisdiction of the EPA and the Army Corps' reach. The Southern Environmental Law Center and other conservation groups sued to overturn that rule. Here's a statement from the SCLC released last week. The prior administration stripped protections under the Clean Water Act from countless streams, lakes, and wetlands, leaving thousands of stream miles, many public recreational lakes, and millions of acres of wetlands without protections that have been in place for decades, through every other administration, and putting our communities and water supplies at risk. The LCLC argues that preserving wetlands can help preserve the ability of communities to reduce flooding and deal with extreme weather events. To learn more, visit the EPA's Waters of the United States website. The Cavalier Daily reports that tuition at the University of Virginia could increase between 3.5% and 4.9% in each of the next two academic years. That's according to two representatives from the UVA Finance Office who spoke to student council last week. Public comment will be taken at a forum on December 2nd, followed by a vote by the Board of Visitors at their meeting a week later. Tuition was frozen for the current academic year. For a sense of scale, the current tuition for most undergraduate students in the College of Arts and Sciences is $14,188 for a Virginia resident and $48,036 for an out-of-state resident. Third-year students pay slightly higher. First-year engineering students from Virginia pay $22,566 for a year's tuition, with non-Virginians paying $56,730. Those figures do not include fees. 
Take a look at the UVA website to learn more about how much students are charged for their education. To learn more about the proposed increase, read Eileen Powell's article in the Cavalier Daily. You're listening to Charlottesville Community Engagement, and let's have two more Patreon-fueled shoutouts. The first comes from a longtime supporter who wants you to know, Today is a great day to spread good cheer. Reach out to an old friend, compliment a stranger, or pause for a moment of gratitude to savor a delight. The second comes from a more recent supporter who wants you to go out and read a local news story written by a local journalist. Whether that be The Daily Progress, Seville Weekly, Charlottesville Tomorrow, CBS 19, WINA, NBC 29, or some other place I have not mentioned, the community depends on a network of people writing about the community. Go learn about this place today. One long segment to conclude today's program. Tomorrow afternoon at 1, an advisory committee appointed to help Albemarle County shape its capital improvement program budget for the next fiscal year will hold its first meeting. Last week, the seven-member planning commission got an overview, including a reminder that last year was very different. Andy Bowman is the chief of budget in Albemarle's finance and budget office. Last year, when we were putting together the fiscal year 20's budget, there was no CIP. Uh, the county was in the middle of the pandemic. There was a tremendous amount of uncertainty. And really, at that time, was uh, kind of decided to, uh, instead of focusing on a long-range picture, to focus on the impacts of the pandemic and what might be able to be unpaused from a number of projects that were paused at the start of the pandemic. Bowman said the economy has rebounded much better than initially anticipated, with outlooks becoming more favorable with each passing month. As the fiscal year 23 budget approaches, Bowman said the county is not immune to inflationary pressure, with bids for some capital projects coming in higher than budgeted. The CIP process starts with a review of what's currently in the works. We have a capital program currently underway before we even start anything from 23 to 27 of around $147 million for 65 projects. Of that $147 million, 91 has been appropriated in the last uh, really 11 months now, uh, from what was unpaused in uh, January, which included major projects such as the expansion at uh, Grosse Elementary School. Bowman noted that over the course of the next five years, the county will adopt a new comprehensive plan and the Board of Supervisors will update their strategic plan. Both documents, as well as the school board's strategic plan, will guide future decisions on capital spending. Bowman said the focus this cycle will be on the immediate year to give flexibility on future needs. The CIP Advisory Committee consists of Supervisor B. Lepisto-Kirtley and Supervisor Donna Price, school board members Kate Acuff and Johnny Alcaro, and former planning commissioners Bruce Dotson and Cal Morris. They're in charge to do a few things. First, uh, they will review and evaluate a proposal that is recommended by staff as a starting point. Uh, and then the CIP committee will uh, sort of make a recommendation and modify that starting point. Bowman said there will be additional revenue from the cigarette tax and potential revenue from a tax on plastic bags. The county also refinanced its debt earlier this year. Uh, given the current market, we were able to issue a, a large amount of uh, borrowed proceeds at very low interest rates, and that will create some capacity that uh, did not exist in the prior plan, prior to the pandemic. 
Bowman said staff is also reviewing the details of the American Rescue Plan Act to see how those funds might be used to leverage local dollars related to capital spending. In August, supervisors used $4.5 million in federal COVID relief funds for broadband expansion. One of the biggest items in the capital improvement program is, of course, the future needs of the school system. Rosalind Schmidt is the chief operating officer of Albemarle County Public Schools. She briefed the planning commission on the school's strategic plan. And so getting the right resources to educators and students for their teaching and learning is key to our success. The school system has a long-range planning advisory committee, and their most recent recommendations were published on September 9, 2021. The 11 projects have a cumulative cost estimate of $196 million, with most of the projects containing either the word renovations or capacity. Adequate capacity continues to be a need for the school division. This is supported by the 10-year enrollment projections and reinforced by both the recently completed development and student yield analysis and a 30-year population forecast. One item among the recommendations is $40 million for another elementary school in the northern feeder pattern, and another would be to purchase land for the western feeder pattern. As these schools all reach a saturation point where expansion is no longer practical, we recommend a strategy for land acquisition and the construction of new facilities. So I think for the first time in a long time, you'll see several new schools uh, in this list. There's also a recommendation to improve air quality within schools. There is a possibility that federal ARPA funding could be used for that purpose. That is a comprehensive program around uh, mechanical improvements that uh, there is some opportunity to have some matching funds um, from ARP funding. Louise Carazana is the associate architect of the University of Virginia and a non-voting member of the Albemarle Planning Commission. He noted that the recent adoption of the Crozet Master Plan update called for capital infrastructure, as did the relatively recent update of the Pantops Master Plan and adoption of the Rio Small Area Plan. And so I'm wondering how we're, we're looking at those approved master plans with the CIP and putting the same kind of rigor as we seem to be doing with the, with the school board. Planning Director Charles Rapp said implementation of many projects in the master plans are dependent on lining up ideas with funding opportunities. Uh, a lot of infrastructure-related improvements, we often uh, we identify them in these master plans uh, or other small area plans, corridor studies, and that's kind of the very first phase uh, of identifying a project. And then we'll go through some of the conversations we've been having with uh, Mr. Bowman and his staff uh, would be this next phase uh, of vetting it through a preliminary engineering study or uh, so, so some additional work to try and vet that project a little further. The next day, on November 18th, Bowman gave a similar presentation to the Board of Supervisors. That one had more specifics about the developing budget, and there's a link to it in the newsletter. Supervisors were reminded that there is a significant positive variance from the fiscal year 21 budget of more than $14 million that can be used for one-time purposes. We are proposing uh, a, not really for discussion today, let's go back on December 15th, to invest some of the one-time fiscal year 21 year in funding into the Economic Development Fund. At their December 15th meeting, the board will also be asked for direction on whether to explore tax relief programs. They'll also be given a review of what additional revenue sources could be pursued in Richmond. 
The Board of Supervisors will have a work session on December 1st related to the way the fiscal year 23 budget will be developed. Another change this year is the December release of Albemarle's property assessments for 2022. That will be presented to the Board of Supervisors on December 15th, a month earlier than usual. Finally today, sometimes there are pieces of information I come across during my reporting or facts that people tell me that don't quite make their way into a news story. These facts are not entirely random, but they may seem that way. First up in this irregular segment, the commercial portions of the Stonefield development have paid a total of $841,955 in connection fees to the Albemarle County Service Authority for water and sewer. That's between 2012 and 2020. That information was provided to me by Gary O'Connell, the director of the Albemarle County Service Authority. That figure does not include residential connections. Before anyone can connect to water and sewer in Albemarle, they have to pay a hefty connection fee. For instance, for one commercial unit on Bond Street to connect in 2012, they had to pay $14,280 for water and $13,505 for sewer. Both of these fees include a portion paid to the Rivanna Water and Sewer Authority to cover the capital costs of expanding capacity. And that's it for this installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement for November 22nd, 2021. There's a lot going on in this installment, just as there's a lot going on in the community. And the whole purpose of this work is to make sure that you can get as much of information in one place as possible about how this community works or doesn't work. Um, I am, as I said at the top of the show, I'm a career journalist who has decided to do this for myself. Um, there really are no jobs out there, and it's likely that there will not be jobs in journalism to the same extent that there have been in the past, a long distant past that uh, was beginning to fray uh, when I was getting started in the early 90s as a journalist. Um, I'm not going to talk to you now about how you can help to cover my business, because if you've heard this program before, you know those things. I do want to ask for you to send this on to somebody else. If you like this program, please send it on to as many people as you can and tell them that I sent you and that I'm asking for people to listen uh, and to read and to share the information. A civilization requires independent journalism to function. At least this is the bet that I'm making with my company, Town Crier Productions, producing Charlottesville Community Engagement, the Week Ahead newsletter, and the archive site, Information Charlottesville. If you have any questions about it today, do drop me a line. Just respond to the email in Substack. In the meantime, I'm going to get to work on the next newsletter and then begin to figure out how I'm going to cover all of the things I still want to tell you about, including this little line that I keep saying all the time, stay safe. Thanks again. See you next time.